You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Jonah chapter 1, stand with me if you would. I'm going to read the first 12 verses of Jonah chapter 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amita, that guy, saying, sorry, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay, and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him, and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and what, of, and what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled for the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was temptuous. And this is the verse we're going to focus on. And he said unto them, Take me up. Cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to come and be in church. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people to be here because it's church time. Lord, I pray that the words that are come from my mouth today will be helpful, uh, beneficial, be what you would have them to be to Help your people. Lord, I pray that uh, everything that is done here will glorify and honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I I don't often title my messages as the sound guys will remind me. Like, what's your title? Oh, I need a title? Come on. So I titled my message. It's the title of the message tonight is, It's All My Fault. It's All My Fault. So this is going to be a super encouraging message for you. Um, really looking to lift you up and encourage you. Um, no, I really am. That is, that is my goal, is to encourage you. Um, but the title is, It's All My Fault. Um, and as Pastor spoke on this morning with the, the pit, right, and submit to the pit where Joseph was, um, I wrote that, that down, by the way, and I put his name by it like a quote. I'll have him sign it later. Uh, but submit to the pit. It was good. Uh, but God can use the pit right, as we saw this morning, that man meant for evil, he can use that for good, right, and when Joseph, he did, you know, his brothers meant it for good, it put him in the pit, uh, Joseph had nothing to do with it, Joseph was, as pastor talked about this morning, was following God, doing his own, 
doing what he was supposed to be doing, and without his involvement, he got cast into a pit and his life changed forever, right? Now we know because we have, like Pastor said, we have the end of the story, and as Pastor preached on this morning, it, that was God's will. It worked out for the good, and Joseph even says that later. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And we can see how a pit can be used, and the whole theme this morning was to you know, be grateful for where you are and understand where you are and grow and learn and realize that God has those things that come into your life for a purpose and for a reason. But now, what if you dug that pit yourself? Like you, your brothers didn't do it, but you dug the pit and then you fell in your own pit. What then what? Joseph didn't do that, right? It wasn't his doing. He didn't dig a pit. He didn't do, he wasn't doing wrong. He didn't sin against God. He didn't do what he shouldn't have done. And that evil came upon him. What happens when we dig our own pit? And we end up in the bottom of our own pit that we dug. There's no brothers up there trying to plot and figure out what to do with us. We, we've dug our own pit, similar to Jonah here, right? Jonah, Jonah's guilty for what happens, and we all know the story of Jonah, although we didn't read it quite yet. He ends up in the belly of a fish, right? That seems like a bad pit, right? That's, you don't want to be in the pit of a stomach. That's a bad place to be of a fish. Um, you know, I often... In my childhood, so up to like two years ago, I was imagining when Jonah went into the pit, it's kind of like Pinocchio, right? Like he's on a raft in this like lake, and he's got a little fire out, you know, and it's like he's, he's, in, this, he's in this giant open space that's inside of a, a whale's belly. I don't think that's probably how it was. I'm thinking, you know, when you think of a stomach, you know, it's like it's small, and it, even inside a big animal like that to get a live human being, he was probably pretty cramped. I don't think he had any elbow room. I don't think he was, you know, roasting any, uh, anything over a fire in there. He was, he was probably suffocating, and, I mean, it's bad, real bad. Um, and Jonah created his own, his own pit, right? Because of his actions, he ended up where he was. He, he disobeyed God. He literally fled from the presence of the Lord and told the people he was on the boat with, like, I'm, I'm running from my God because he wants me to do something I don't want to do. And so I'm just, I'm out of here. And basically dug his own pit and got thrown in the pit. What happens when we do that in our life? And I'm guessing if you're like me and alive, you've probably found yourself in a scary position in life because of something you've done. Because of your choices. Because of your decisions have put you in a, in a place that is, it's a bad situation. A scary situation, maybe not the inside of a belly of a fish, and maybe not in an actual literal pit, but maybe in a financial pit, maybe in a relationship pit, maybe in a job pit, where you have done things in your life, you've made choices and decisions, and they weren't good decisions. It's not like I'm trying to do my, the right thing, and it went wrong, even though I'm trying to do right. No, maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you sinned. And you made a decision and, and a choice and a life choice that put you in a bad spot. And I'm guessing, if, if you're like me, you probably have done that at some point in your life. And often when we get into those types of pits, we can't blame God for those pits, right? Joseph could have blamed God for the pit he was in. I'm trying to live for you, Lord, and I end up in this pit. But when we do things that we acknowledge and know put us in that pit because of what we did, well, you can't blame God then. You can only blame yourself. And sometimes when you get into that pit, you kind of maybe feel like you deserve to be there. You're like, well, I'm in this pit because, because of what I did. 
right? And I, and I deserve to be here, and I deserve to be miserable in this pit, and this is my lot in life. I caused it, and I just have to, I have to deal with it. You, you believe you deserve it so much that you feel guilty even going to God to ask him for help. You ever been there? I've been there. Where I thought I've done something, I've caused this issue, and I can't even go to God and ask him to help me, because why would he help me? I'm the one that did it. Right? That was my mentality in that pit that I dug and caused myself. Because why would he help, want to help me get out of a situation that I caused with my sin? It's not, again, it's not like I just doing the best I could and oops, I fell. No, I intentionally did something that caused a bad situation and now I'm paying the consequence for it and I feel like I deserve it. And so I'm kind of, I'm stuck. And like Pastor mentioned this morning, maybe I'm balled up in the corner of that pit and just, I don't know what to do. Maybe we don't know what to do. And you just figure, well, this is life. And I just have to deal with it. And it's miserable. And it's bad. And I don't, I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know if I should get out of it. I don't know if I deserve to get out of it. And so we don't ask God to help us. We don't look to get on the right track. We just kind of wallow in our own pit that we caused. So before we go back to Jonah, and as you, we know the end of the story and how things work out, Jonah did build his own pit, but he did get out of it. And how he, how he did, there are a few other characters in the Bible that also have pits that they dug themselves. And, and things, situations they got into that if people today would have done some of the things these people had done, we would, we would uh, we'd shove them out, we would cast them out, we would not associate with these people. And they dug their own pits. Uh, but before we get to the Bible characters, I'll tell you about a pit I dug that was real bad. You ready? Ready for this? I don't know why. I always throw myself out there, and then I, the teenagers are gone, so I don't have to worry about them remembering it forever. Um, but, you know, um, when I was in college, Bible college, I went to Bible college in, at House Anderson in Indiana, and I had a job that was in Illinois. I worked for True Green Lawn Care, and, and I drove there every, every day after school. It was about a 45-minute drive on I-94, like the busiest part, not the Dan Ryan Expressway that goes to Chicago, but pretty much the busiest part that goes from Indiana to Illinois. And lots of cars, like just tons of cars. I, I feel like to put my, my own children in that situation, I, I would be terrified to let my 19-year-old drive on that interstate with all his friends in the car going to work. The Lord kept me safe, for sure, on all those trips. But I would drive 45 minutes to work, and they were, if you've ever driven through Illinois, I'm sorry, it's the worst. I mean, Southern Illinois, they're better. Dale knows. But Northern Illinois, up there near Chicago, oh, it's, it's terrible. The traffic is terrible. People don't treat people like people. Like, it's, it's just awful. And they have tolls. They have the toll road. And it is, it's, I mean, it's, it's robbery is what it is, what it is, right? It's the, it should have paid for everything they said they were going to pay for. But anyway, they still have tolls, and it, the, the prices keep going up on it. Well, while I was in school in the early 2000s, they were putting in um, automatic tolls where you'd get this, they call it an I-pass, and you put it on the dash of your car, you put money on this account, and instead of waiting for the, auto, the tellers that are there or the, the, the bars that come up and down, you throw your money in, the bar goes up, you could just drive right through at the, at the speed limit or in Illinois, 15 miles over the speed limit, you could drive through it and it would scan your, your little I-pass and it'd take it out of your account. Right, way, way faster, way more convenient for them to take money from you. It's just it's a great idea. What the, the Illinois government's super smart. Um, so 
in the process of being in college, they were, they were moving over from the, the arms that go up and down throwing your change into this automatic thing. And we as dumb, real dumb college kids thought it wasn't working yet. It's not working, but the lanes were open. They didn't block the lanes. And we're like, free toll. Just drive, like, just drive through it. You don't have to stop and put your 40 cents at the time. You don't have to stop and put your 40 cents in the bucket. You can just, right there, it's not set up yet. There's clearly they're working on it. And so we just drove through it. And I was the driver for, I, I had a small car, but somehow we got more people in there than should have been in there. But I was the driver, right? So I, I paid for the gas, and every once in a while, cheap college students, they'd give me like $2 for gas, you know? Back then, that was more than a gallon, but we won't go there today. Um, but I, would dr- I drove all the time. So I drove five days a week, I'm driving to work, there and back, right? And at first, I was paying the tolls, and then we're like, well, let's go through this. And with peer pressure, I'm sure, succumbing to that, I just started going through, just busting through. And like, and there were numerous times I'm like, mm, this seems way too easy. Like, why would they let us do this? This seems like this, this seems really dumb on their behalf to just leave it open and let people go through for nothing. Oh, well, moving on, right? And I did this, I don't even know the amount of time, but it was long enough time that, uh, so my car was registered to my home address here in South Dakota still. And one day I get a call from my father. And he asks me very weird questions about what road I take to work. Um, are there tolls on the road? Um, you know, questions of that nature. Have you been paying the tolls? And, and so I told him the story. Well, they're not operable yet, you know. So we, yeah, I admitted I've, you know, basically been stealing and just been driving through. He's like, oh, okay. But the uh, problem is, son, they are operable, fully operational. And there's a picture of your car, your license plate, and the 10, 10 kids in the back seat, 10 college kids in the back seat with their faces pressed against the hatchback that you've been taking to work every day. And you owe the state of Illinois something like $2,500 <laughs> with penalties and fees and all the things on top of it. And my heart sunk into my bottom of my feet. And as a college student, I did not have $2,500 to pay this bill. Um, You know, I'd be hard-pressed as an adult sometimes to come up with just $2,500 to pay a a fine like that. So long story short, this is years later now. I'm married, living in an apartment with my new wife less than a year. My dad has to fly because he's the, you know, guardian. I'm older at this time, but when it happened, he has to fly to Illinois to go to court to try to get me out of paying, try to plead stupidity <laughs> on behalf of his offspring to get through this. It didn't work. They do not, apparently stupidity is not a good, uh, you know, case. Um, and he had to pay the fine. Um, I, you know, so I ended up paying him back, but he had to fly all the way to Chicago. He had to go to court to sit in court for me. And then he stayed with us. Oof. That was tough. He, had, he came and stayed with us while, while he did that. It was not a great trip. Um, and uh, paid that fine. Um, I ended up having to, I had, had a motorcycle in the time, and I had to sell, sell the motorcycle in order to pay my dad back to cover the fine. But all that to say, I dug myself a pit, a bad pit. And it was not like, I didn't know. 
that's what I said, and that's sometimes what we say, right? When we, we sin, we get ourselves in trouble, we'll claim ignorance. But if we're honest, we're not ignorant. We know exactly what we're doing, and we may feel bad about it and want to say we're ignorant so we don't look so bad, even to our own selves, but we know. I knew what I was doing. I'm not, I wasn't that stupid, but I did it anyway, and it cost. It cost me. It cost me, it cost me money. It, it cost me a vehicle. It cost me a relationship at the time with my dad. Now, we're good now, but that, that was a tense, tense time for father and son, we'll say. Um, and it was a pit that I got myself into. Now, if I had found out if that letter got sent to me and not to my dad, it would have been hard for me to call my dad and say, hey, I messed up. I need your help, right? And, and we've all been there in a, probably in those situations asking our parents for help, and it's humbling, right, to have to do something like that. And sometimes we won't because we'll just deal with it. And when you think about your Heavenly Father, and that's where we'll end up going here tonight, we get ourselves into pits all the time. And they could be small pits. They could be shallow. They could be really, really deep and really wide. They're, we can get ourselves into some bad situations because of things that we have done, and we can feel like we deserve to be there. So a few other people throughout history that have gotten themselves in pit, and you know all these stories, but Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve got themselves into a pickle, you might say, right? Uh, they disobeyed God directly. He gave them clear instructions on what to do and what not to do. And the one thing he said, don't do, they did. So it's not like they just like, I was walking by this tree and I slipped, grabbed it, and ate it. It was weird. <laughs> I don't know what happened, God. I just got tripped up. No, they intentionally, on purpose, and you see the way scripture points it out, Eve saw that was good to the eyes and good for food, and so she took it. She did it because she wanted to. And Adam, Adam knew, so after she got done, she gives it to Adam. Adam knows exactly what's going to happen, and he ate it anyway, right? So they got themselves into a pretty bad situation, and when God came to them to confront them, what was their first response? Well, the woman you gave me, uh, she did it, right? And the woman's like, well, the serpent you made, he's the one that made me do it. Neither one of them were willing to accept responsibility for the pit they got themselves in. And that's a big portion and a big part of Joseph's pit, not of his own making, but our pit when we do it ourselves. How do we get out of that pit? A lot of it is about our response to that, about our, our, our perspective, our viewpoint of that. Um, another one, Jacob right? A, a liar and a manipulator, right? He had to run away from home so his brother didn't kill him because he took everything from his brother through deception, right? He tricked his dad, he tricked his brother, and, and he had to get out of there. Otherwise, he was in big trouble. David, David, King David, man after God's own heart, committed adultery and then killed the husband to cover it up. Right Now, we, you read David's story, not just all his good things that happened to him. That action, that pit that he dug right there caused his family a lot of suffering, a lot of drama, a lot of grief, a lot of pain, death. I mean, nationwide problems because of he wanted something, and because of who he was, he took it. And then to cover it up, he committed an even more egregious sin. Anybody here that you know does something like that, they, they go to jail, right? Murder is, murder is a crime. You go to jail for adultery. Is, God is explicit about that. And he caused a lot of problems in his life because of his sin and the pit that he dug himself. 
God still calls him a man after his own heart, and we know that eventually he does confess his sin, repent, and get it right. It takes someone kind of sticking their finger in his face for him to see it, but he gets out of that pit. Samson, uh, Samson, had, he was a prideful, arrogant person. Um, he, he had a lot. God had given him a lot and given him the judgment and being in control. And what he did is he thought that he was untouchable, basically. And he got himself mixed up with the wrong girl, ended up marrying the wrong girl, and it destroyed his life. He, he married someone that wasn't like him, that wasn't, didn't believe the way he believed, and she tricked him into giving up everything God had given him. Right? He dug himself a pit, and he was a prisoner. His eyes were put out. He was, he was basically made a laughing stock because of the pit that he had dug. And I know you're thinking, oh, man, you are encouraging us this evening, all these pits these guys are in, and that's bad. And you're likening the pits we're into like them. Yes, kind of. Peter. Peter, we know, a uh, great disciple, right? Boisterous, want to be like Peter. He literally denied that he knew the Lord. Like, if we did that, like, if we did that, we, I think we get accustomed to the quote-unquote story that we're like, oh, yeah, Peter, after the cock crows three times, Peter will deny me, and the Lord looked at him, and he knew, and he wept bitterly, but he literally told people numerous times, I don't know that man. He cursed to people's faces and about Jesus. Like, he spent time with the Lord, like, physical time. He touched the Lord in his human body and was so scared so, I don't know, the words to use, so much so that he denied he even knew him. He knew he was God. Denied he even knew him, cursed, swore, denied his faith. And even after the Lord comes back and appears to the disciples, even after that, and then Jesus goes, he's like, eh, I'm going to go fishing. He literally says, I go a fishing. Like, I love that phrase. I just, I picture it in my, in my head, Peter, I go a fishing. After the Lord came back in his resurrected body and showed himself to his disciples that, yep, I am God, this, I'm still alive, you, you have a job to do, and Peter's like, yeah. He literally, he walked away from his faith. He walked away from what he had done for the last three and a half years with the Lord and seen these miracles. He was so upset and so distraught and messed up emotionally and mentally that he, he forsook it all for a time. It took Jesus coming back again to call him back and say, no, I have a job for you to do. But Peter put himself in a pit that if, if the Lord hadn't sought after him again on that seashore and told him to feed the sheep, I don't know, maybe Peter still would have stayed there for his whole life and just missed out on everything that God had for him. He put himself in a really bad situation because he walked away from everything he knew. It's like when we see teenagers grow up in church and then they get old enough and they just brush it off and walk away, live a completely different life. In, in our hearts, we're like, that hurts, but we're just like, why, where's the logic there? That's what Peter did. That's what Peter did. He walked away from it all, and he had much better experience than we have because he saw the Lord himself. Now, every single one of those characters, while they dug themselves a pit, it was all their fault, right? They couldn't blame anybody else. Jonah couldn't blame anybody else. Adam and Eve couldn't blame anybody else. David could, they only could blame themselves for the situation they were in. No one else. We've been in situations, you've gotten yourself into places that there was no one else to blame. You couldn't blame anyone but you for the places you were because of the sin that you let take over in that moment of decision or those choices. There was no one else to blame. 
And sometimes, and they could have done it too, they could have said, well, woe is us. We're done. We're done in. There's nothing else I can do. I, I've, I've made this bed and now I have to lie in it. It's the end of my life. It's the end of my purpose. God can't use me anymore because of the sin and the things that I have done. But in every situation that God has shown us, God was able to use every single one of those individuals after their sin, after the pit that they dug. That was their fault. God still was able to use them in great ways. I mean, Samson did more damage to God's enemies in his death than he did his whole entire life, right? Adam and Eve, the father and mother of human race, humankind, right? We have David, the things that he was able to do after the, the, the Psalms that he wrote, after those types of situations. God was able to use every single one of those people, even though they did something to cause their own pain. And so we come back to Jonah here specifically. Uh, if you still have your Bibles open, go to Jonah chapter 2. Probably a page over, if that. So we know there at the end of our passage in chapter 1, verse number 12, he says, uh, that, uh, he says, what shall we do? do we, oh, I'm sorry, wrong verse. He says, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. He knew it was his fault. There's no question. He wasn't blaming anybody else. So they throw him over. The fish swallows him up. Chapter 2 of Jonah. Verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And this, this is where it comes to what is our response when we get ourselves in trouble. Verse 2, it says, And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. So Jonah knows, again, he knows it's his fault. He knows the reason he's there is because of his, his choices, his decisions. But he came to a point, and I guess you would probably do a lot of thinking in the, in the belly of a fish, but he came to a point where he realized the only way he was getting out of this pit was, was God. And he didn't want to stay in the pit. He didn't want to stay there. He didn't want to die there. And the only way out of it was to turn back to God. And, and although sometimes we get ourselves in those situations, we feel like we can't turn to God because he's... For some reason, we've got in our heads that he won't hear us. That he somehow will be punishing us because of the choices we've made and we have to stay in our pit because of the sin we have committed. Now, while there are consequences for sin, he doesn't absolve the consequences. God, does, does, God doesn't want to keep his thumb on us and keep us down in that pit forever to prove a point, to make us understand any of those things. God does not say, sorry, Jonah, you disobeyed, you went the wrong way. This is your punishment, you're staying there. Now, God wants reconciliation. God wants us to turn to him. God wants us to come back. And we have to get over, even in our pride, or in our pit that we've created, we have to get over our pride of going back to God and humbling ourselves and saying, I messed up, and I know, Lord, I messed up, and the only way I'm going to get out of it, I know I put myself here, but I can't get myself out of here. Only you can help me get out of here. And we have to humble ourselves to that point. So verse number three of Jonah 2, it says, For thou hast cast me into the deep, and the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. You ever, that's sometimes what it feels like when you're in a pit of your own making. I'm out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Thy waters, the waters compass me about even to the soul. You ever soaked to the bone? I think that was Jonah. The death, uh, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. That seaweed all in that belly. 
I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars were about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. He, re he realized there's nothing he can do. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So Jonah knew it was his fault. He knew he was there because of what he had done. And he realized he came to himself on some things, just like the prodigal son. He realized that he was in a bad spot because of the choices he made, directly going the opposite way of what God said to do with his life. And it, it put him in a place that he created on his own. But as he was there, he understood that I'm here, but I don't want to be here. I realized the mistake that I've made, right? He realized his mistake and he went to God about it right away. I like verse eight, lying vanities. Basically, he's saying anything that I've taken in my life that I've put above God, that's, that's what lying vanities is. And in his situation, he hated the Assyrians so much, he, was, he didn't want to go, he didn't want them to get saved. He wanted God to destroy the Assyrians. He hated them so badly in Nineveh there that he was willing to disobey God because he knew what God would do, if likely potential to do, if they heard and repented. So he was able to place his hatred of a group of people of a city above what God told him to do and it put him in a bad spot. So he understood that and that's him admitting that I put something else in my life that I put more emphasis on than you did, Lord, and I put it above you. And that's what we do. When we make choices, when we sin and make decisions that put us in that pit, we have, we have taken something in our life and we have elevated it above what God's opinion is on things. Because when we sin, we're, basically, we're taking what God has said and we're going, nah, I want this more or I want this differently or I think it should work better this way or we just do what's right in our own eyes and we get ourselves in a pit that gets us in trouble. And we have to understand that when we do that, we're just placing ourselves above where God is. And when we understand that's why we're in the pit we're in and we humble ourselves and admit where we've sinned, admit the things that we've done to get us there, then like Jonah, we ask for forgiveness we praise him for who he is, and we ask him to help us get out of it. We ask him to, to give us direction. And, you know, this is, it seems simple, right? This situation seems simple. He's in the belly of a whale. He wants to get out. He prays and asks forgiveness, asks God to help him, and God gets him out of the belly of the whale. Maybe it's not so simple in, in our situation. Maybe it's a little more complicated than just, I'm in something, and once I get out, I'm fine. Maybe there's a way longer road to get out of the pit we're in. Maybe there's some relationships that have been damaged while I've been in this pit. Maybe there's some financial choices that have been made that have destroyed potential future, immediate future, that have to be fixed. It's not going to be a snap of the finger and God fixes it, you're out of the belly well, everything is fine. For us, most of the time, it's going to be a longer road of getting out of that pit. And sometimes that's what keeps us there because we realize... It's, we're not just going to flip a switch and everything's going to be fine. There's, I have to repair some things. I have to repair the sin that I did. I have to repair some relationships that, that may have caused some fractures in. I have to repair some, some financial problems that I have. I have to build those things back up. I have to repair uh, numerous things that you could be in uh, that just don't fix just because. 
And sometimes we'll say, well, I'll just stay in this pit. It's, e it's not fun, but it's easier than trying to fix those things. But the thing is, is God couldn't have used Jonah if he stayed in that belly. Right? God can only use Jonah once he's admitted his guilt and he's overcome and repented. And then God can use him to do more things. And we know he ends up going to Nineveh and God reaches a city of 120,000 people because of Jonah finally, eventually, repents and obeys. And that was God's plan the whole time. So God still used him, even though Jonah made a mistake. He sinned directly in God's face, but he repented. And God still used him to do those things. So a couple points here and we'll be done. God knows about humanity's weaknesses. Not a surprise, but God knows about our weaknesses. It's why I believe it's part of the reason why he gives us such great detail of all these characters and all these people in his word about the, the struggles they had and the mistakes they've made. That's why we know the, the accounts of, of, of David and Jonah because God's saying, I know you're human and this, these are the problems you humans have because there's sin in this world. So God knows the sins that you've created and, and done and, and the situations you've created and put yourselves in. It's not a surprise to God. Now, he's not happy when we sin. He's not, he, there are consequences, as I mentioned earlier, for it. But God knows about our weaknesses. He knows about our failures. So if we think we're hiding them from him, like Jonah, he was going to flee from the face of God? No, that doesn't work. You can't do that. God's everywhere. We can pretend that we're hiding our failures from God if we don't bring them to him. But God already knows. So we have to get over that part of our pride and humble ourselves and realize God knows our weaknesses. He knows all of humanity's weaknesses. And we, we have not surprised him by our failure. We've not surprised him by our sin. But it's an opportunity for us to learn and to grow because of it. Secondly, it's not so much about what our mistakes or even our character issues are. It's more about how we respond when those mistakes are made. Right? Because you're going to sin. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to speak unkindly to a family member, to a spouse. You're going to do things you shouldn't do. I mean, we're, we're going to sin. It's not, it's not going to be just a, oops, I slipped and ate this apple off the tree. We're going to deliberately choose to sin in, in the future. Maybe even today. With the rest of the day that's left. It's going to happen. So it's not about... Well, again, there are consequences. God looks to see how we respond when we make those mistakes. And we should try to avoid those mistakes. It shouldn't be like, ah, I'm going to sin anyway, so who cares? Let's just go do it. No, no, God expects holiness from us. He expects us to want to be like him. But when those mistakes are made, staying in that pit and wallowing in sadness or guilt because we don't think God would forgive us, what? He already forgave us. He sent his son to die on the cross for all the sins you've committed, for the worst sins that any human being has ever committed in the world. You realize that's, that's everything. Everything falls under that umbrella, and he's forgiven it all. There's nothing you've done that can put you in a place where God is not just ready to pull you out of that pit and get you back on the right path. He's, he's willing and wanting. It's us that prevents that from happening. Because we wallow, because we feel ashamed, because we feel guilt, because we feel like we can't be used. Your sin of lying causes him as much grief as your sin of murder, right? Sin is sin to God. And he, when you wallow in your sin, when you wallow in your issue, then God can't use you. Your response to how when you make a mistake is what gets you out of that pit. 
Next, our self-inflicted mistakes, and Pastor mentioned this this morning, that doesn't change how much God loves us or how much he wants to help us. Right? We, we can convince ourselves and defe- deceive ourselves that when we make mistakes and we're in the pit, God can't use me anymore. God doesn't want to use me anymore. He might, I, don't, I mean, I know he loves me, but I don't feel like he should. And he probably doesn't really want to help me because, again, I put myself here. Why would he want to help me? I'm the one that did the bad. I'm the one that made it happen, not him. Not even anybody around me treating me poorly. I did it. And so we shy away from asking God for help, for asking God for his forgiveness. God loves you no matter what you do. You can't make him love you more. You can't make him love you less. Again, the hammer this home. Sin has consequences. You can't just sin and get away with it. There is consequences. Sin brings pain, loss, brokenness. Those things follow bad choices. And, and asking God to forgive you while he will forgive you does not take away the pain or the brokenness or the loss. Those things still remain and need to be repaired, right? But God doesn't love you less because of it. He loves you just as much then as he did when you were doing everything you were supposed to be doing. You're not also, you're not the only one that's made bad choices, right? That lead to bad places and bad situations. God uses people that have pain and loss and brokenness. He's more apt to use people that have suffered pain and loss and brokenness because then when God uses them, they can't say, look at me. They'll be more apt to say, look at him. Look what he did because he, there's no way I could do this of my own. It has to be him. And God is ready to use people like that. We, we have to be willing to humble ourselves and ask for that forgiveness in order for God to use us because he wants to. You know, we just publicly called out a few people out of scripture that, man, they, made, they messed up real bad. But God still used them. So lastly, God is always ready and looking to give mercy and grace to those who seek him and follow him instead of themselves. Right? And often when we get ourselves in those types of situations, it's because we're following ourselves to some degree or another. We're doing what we want or what we think is best, and it gets us in bad places. But when we are pe- a people that want to do what he wants to do, he is ready to give mercy. Like he is actively seeking to be merciful. He is actively seeking to forgive, which we struggle with because as humans, we don't do that. It takes practice to actively seek to give mercy to someone that's wronged you. Right? If someone wrongs you and you're not like, okay, how can I forgive them? The first opportunity I have to forgive them, I'm going to do it. No, we usually are like, how could you? And oh, they, what are they asking forgiveness for? They probably don't really mean it. Right? We, we get really selfish and prideful when people do us wrong. But when we wrong God and we ask forgiveness and repent and turn, God is, I mean, he's ready. He's, that hand is out. He is pulling us up. He's pulling us out of that pit. He's putting us on the right path. Immediately, he actively seeks to forgive and to give mercy. Hebrews 4.16, uh, famous verse, you probably have it memorized, says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That doesn't matter where you are, right? If you're saved, you're a child of God, you could be in a pit, you could be on a valley, in a mountain, wherever you are, you can come boldly to him that we may obtain mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. So when you're in a pit of your own creation, it's all your fault. 
You're in a situation that you can't blame anyone else for. The only place you can turn, don't turn to yourself, but the only place you can turn is to him. And the scripture tells us in many other places that he is, he's ready. You may obtain mercy. Mercy is available. And he's ready to help you. He wants to help you. So turn to him when, you're, when you realize and, and you have to admit that you're in that pit because it's your fault. Right? I had to come to the, the conclusion with my father that there was no one else. I couldn't blame any of the college students in the car. I could only blame myself for driving through where I should not have gone. There was no one else to blame. And I had to admit that and accept the consequences of it. But I, was still, I still have a car. I could still drive. Like they didn't take that ability away from me. Right? Like, sorry, you stole so much. No more driving for the rest of your life. Or I still can do things. I'm still able to drive. But I had to come to the two the realization that I messed up and I had to pay for the consequences of that. And, but then with my father's help, I was able to move on, right? I learned in that situation, don't skip tolls. It'll, it'll catch up to you, right? I learned in that situation. So in conclusion, what mistakes are you dealing with? Do you have so much guilt that you're trying to just fix it on, on your own? You say, it's all my fault. I got myself into this mess. I'll do everything I can to get myself out. Or have you been... You have so much guilt that you've just given up trying to fix it, and you're just, that's just life now. I'm in this pit, I've made these mistakes, and that's just how my life is. I can't change it, I can't turn it around. If you've given up hope because you created it, or you're trying to do everything you can to get out of it because you created it, um, the Lord wants to forgive you. The Lord wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you for your mistake. He wants to restore the relationship with you and him. He wants to have fellowship with you again. Because if you're in a pit of your own making and those are your thoughts that I have to get out or this is just the way life is, you probably don't have great fellowship with the Lord. You're probably not reading your Bible very often because it makes you feel even more guilty. You're definitely not praying probably at all because I can't talk to God. I can't talk to my father. I'm, I messed up. I'm too embarrassed to talk to him. So relationship with the Lord probably is... Not good if not, if just non-existent. If you're trying, then it's probably not as good as it should be. But he wants to restore that relationship. He wants to forgive you. He wants to use you in some great way still in this life. If he was done with you, you might, he might as well take you home to heaven. But you're still here. You're still breathing. You're still doing. You're still at church. You're still trying. God has something he wants you to do. You have the opportunity to impact somebody else's life for eternity. And you may think, though, no, 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 I've, I've made too many mistakes. No one could use me. No, you do. That's what God wants for us, to impact other people for eternity. We had a whole full auditorium of little kids from Vacation Bible School. You all have cards of names of kids that are on their way to camp right now. You can impact those lives. And the, the impact you have on those kids, just these kids specifically... You don't know what they're going to grow up to do. They may grow up to win thousands and thousands of people to the Lord on the mission field or in some city, in some town, and they're partly there because you prayed for them this week. That's an impact. That's an impact you can directly have in, in eternity through someone else. God wants to use you. It could be, and that's simple. God wants to use you individually in more ways. I don't know what those are. I don't even know how God wants to use me in the future, but... In order to be used, when we put ourselves in those situations, we have to seek his forgiveness and allow him to direct our ways. 
admit our failures, admit our faults, ask his forgiveness, and ask him for help to get us back on the path. And as pointed out so many times throughout the Bible, he will. And he wants to. And that's how you grow. So, you know, submit to the pit with Joseph when you get thrown into bad situations that you have no control over. Learn. Become a better Christian. Grow through those things. Understand God has a plan. And then when you're in a pit of your own creation and it's all your fault, admit that. Turn back to him. Help, let him help you get out of that pit and learn from those mistakes. Learn from those experiences. If you put yourself in bad situations, like I can tell you, Carter, he'll never miss a toll. No matter where he goes to school, he'll never miss a toll. He's heard that story. He knows that story. Dad has told him. He showed him pictures of the motorcycle that he lost because of it. He knows the story. If he's smart and learns from my mistakes, he will never, ever miss a toll or skip a toll like that because of what I went through. God, you can use your pain, self-inflicted, all your fault pain to help someone else in the future. When we go through trials of our own making or not, God can use those things to help others avoid them, to help others when they're in the midst of them. God's not done. No matter what pit you're in, no matter how you've created it or it's been created by others, God is not done with you. So let him use you. Humble yourself. Let him use you. All right, I'll pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.